Praise the Lord. Get your sermon notes out as I continue teaching you on spiritual gifts today. How many know we are the church of the Lord Jesus? I said we are the church of the Lord Jesus together, corporately. And we've, I know you say, well, it's a weird world. We've got this, folks. It's a good time to say amen. I said we got this. God has prepared you for this. He has empowered us. You say, well, God saved us so that there would never be any difficulty. No. God empowered us so that no matter what we face, we can be victorious in it. I've tried to keep you aware that according to the Bible, we need to be aware of spiritual forces in the evil day. We are in those days. We are in, we are in last days. You say, what? People said that before. Lord, look, we kept getting closer. I was... Uh, just chatting with my brother, my older brother, John, had a birthday. So last night I was talking with him on the phone for a little while. And we were talking about our papa, uh, who used to love singing an old song called Jesus is Coming Soon. I, some of you know it. Some of you don't. But morning or night or noon, many will meet their doom. Trumpets will sound. We always thought that was many will meet their doom. Really, it's not a happy song, you know. But... Uh, Grandpa believed when the Social Security number came out that we were getting close to the return of the Lord Jesus. See, look at you laugh. Look at you laugh, all right? So uh, I'm not saying we shouldn't have Social Security numbers. What I'm saying is, is that we are around the corner from the return of Jesus. And the, the Scripture says, comfort one another with these words, okay? We're sitting around with microchips in our pocket right now, right? You can't even... What? What? And it won't be long. I mean, it's just happening. Everybody smile. Smile, okay? It won't, don't talk like this, Pastor. You're scared people. Well, maybe you need to be frightened a little bit, but we're just around the corner where you won't have cash in your pockets, and, and right? And if you don't believe the right thing or align yourself in the right way, you won't be able to buy or spend. But hallelujah, how many know the Lord took care of Israel at Goshen? He'll take care of us. Somebody praise God. And then eventually we'll disappear. Boom. Faster than that. And in the moment, in the twinkle of an eye at the sound of the last trump, then the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will rise. And so will we ever be with the Lord. Somebody praise God. He's preaching good stuff today. We just need to be aware. All right. But still, I want us to embrace and celebrate that we are spiritually empowered. We are up for the task. That's what this is about. Some of us think it's about doing tricks and entertaining people. You know, I was uh, walking down at the boardwalk and saw they had, you know, one of the theaters, they had a magician that was there. It was so wonderful. And uh, I guess, uh, but sometimes people think that's what spiritual gifts are. They're magic acts for the people to impress others. No, that's, we're not here doing magic acts, okay? We are just simply walking in the Spirit. And as we walk in the Spirit, what happens is gifts manifest within the church. We just need to be aware of this. Don't, don't, get, don't get crazy. Just realize it and have an understanding. And out of that, the reason we have this teaching in 1 Corinthians 12 is because if you, if you read the context, it's because people were abusing and misusing and the same thing. I mean, there'll be people trying to blow people over, okay? That's going to happen, all right? Just smile and get on down the road. That's not what this is about, all right? Uh, this, is, this is about more than that, something that is greater than, than, than all of that. So we're, we're more than conquerors, Amen. We're spiritually gifted, and we have an advantage in this world. We need to be aware of this. 
We are to be saved, born again, and baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire. I said it just the way the scripture reads it, just the way it's written. We are to be saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire. Say it just like that. Get it out. We're supposed to be saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire. Are you allowed to say that? They'll think you're old school, Pastor Rick. Play with me. I am a little old school. All right. So, and, and so as a body, also we understand, according to these teachings, uh, to each one, the manif- manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So uh, before anybody got on TV and said, we're in this together, we're better together, I want you to know that as the church, we are literally together. We are the same spirit. We are one body. So God doesn't give you his gifts in order for you to simply publicize yourself. This is all for the glory of the Lord Jesus and so that you can bless one another. It is to show us that we are the body of Christ. Now about spiritual gifts in verse number one of of, of 1 Corinthians 12 I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols, idols that could do nothing. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. But also, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. And then in verse 7. And I like the way this reads. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is, to, is given to each one for the, for the common good, for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But one... And the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. He does what He wants to do in each one of us as He chooses. Verse 14, the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them. So, uh, welcome to the United States. Anybody, was anybody remember the 1700s? Anybody heard what happened in the 1700s? You, you heard? Nobody heard? You're immediately trying to go into your history books. But I'm talking about uh, in the 1700s, there was something that took place called the Age of Reason. And it was making its way across the Atlantic Ocean to the American colonies. Enlightenment thinkers... We're emphasizing a scientific and logical view of the world and heavily downplaying people of faith. So in many ways, what happened at that time is uh, religion became more and more formalized and less personal during this time, which led to lower and lower church attendance. People decided that being a part of the church, this was the 1700s, and you're saying that was a long time ago. Relatively speaking, it was not so long ago. Christians were feeling complacent with their methods of worship. Some were even disillusioned with how wealth and rationalism dominated the culture. Sounds like 220, doesn't it? Sounds like 2021. And many began to crave 
just this a return to more of a religious piety. So around this time, the 13 colonies were religiously divided. Most of New England belonged to congregational churches. The middle colonies were made up of Quakers, Anglicans, Lutherans, Baptists, Presbyterians, the Dutch Reformed, and congregational followers. And the southern colonies were members of the Anglican Church, but there were also some Baptists and Presbyterians and Quakers. So the stage was set. So in the late 1720s, a revival began to take place as preachers altered their messages and began to emphasize spiritual concepts of the word. Most historians consider some guy named Jonathan Edwards. Anybody ever heard of Jonathan Edwards? Some of you might remember that he was one of the, the, the chief founders of what was known as the Great Awakening. We used to actually talk about this in history class. There was a great awakening. And some of you might remember in 1741, if you remember that, that no, you're not that old, but he gave a famous, almost infamous uh, cry. Uh, and, and in it, it was this crazy idea. It was centered on this idea. Humans are sinners. It was revolutionary. And that God was an angry judge and individuals needed to ask forgiveness. And he had this famous sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. How many would prefer not to be a sinner in the hands of an angry God? See, already I'm preaching this to you and you're saying somebody would preach sinners in the hands of an angry God. God, has anybody ever heard of the wrath of God? Has anybody ever read about that in the Bible that say God is not a, God is Santa. He sits on a red throne and he is surrounded by reindeer. No, I'm talking about the real, true and living God who has become who now we are his children. Anybody confess Jesus as your Lord? Have you ever done that? And through his grace we are now children of the most high God. So we do not have a God who is angry at us, but a God who invites us into his presence but that's not so for everyone there's another guy named george whitfield perhaps you've heard of this minister from britain he had a significant impact during the great awakening he toured the colonies up and down the atlantic coast yeah around where we are preaching his message and in one year whitfield covered five thousand miles in america and preached more than 350 times and here's what his preaching this was the common message all people are born sinners. Sin without salvation will send a person to hell. All people can be saved if they confess their sins to God, seek forgiveness, and accept His grace. All people can have a direct and emotional connection with God, and that religion shouldn't be formal and institutionalized, but it should be personal and relational. What? Who preaches that kind of mess? People who want to be a part of a great awakening. Folks, if ever we need to have an awakening, it's today. I'm looking for somebody that will agree with me. If ever we needed a great awakening, we need one in 2021. We need a renewal. We need to be awakened. And you're saying, yeah, those people out there need to be awakened. No, we need to be awakened. 
Really, this wasn't the first awakening. There was another awakening, and Emory was preaching about it while we were singing a moment ago. I love the story of Pentecost, the, the birth of the church in Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled all the house where they were sitting. Did you hear that? It was, uh, they were awakened. They were there, but then they were awakened. And then Peter preached that message. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and upon all, all flesh and your sons and daughters will prophesy and your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Now, immediately you want me to start breaking those down and getting to the nitty gritty. I want you, I want to explain it to you differently. I am the third of four sons, and I have a, a, a younger brother who is not so young now, but he, he was younger when we were little. I have two older brothers. They're not much younger than, uh, much, much older than I, but they are older, and I enjoy that. The older they get, the more I call them and remind them of how they used to pick on me when I was the baby of the family, and look how old you are. Don't you wish you were my age now? But now that we're all 60 and over, it doesn't seem to matter so much, you know? But I remember when we were younger and my mother would get us out of bed to get us to school. And sometimes we really enjoyed sleeping. And I tell you this, that mom did not tell us to wake up and immediately see a response from us. That we would lay in our, lie in our beds as long as we could until my mother intensified the sound. And when she intensified the sound, we knew that it was high time for us to get up. Because if we did not get up, we would miss the bus. And mama was not going to be happy if we missed the bus. And she would use whatever methods. Anybody got a mama like I had a mama? Whatever methods were necessary were the methods that we would use. But one of them was to fill that little room in that back area of Oregonia, Ohio, and that one room, we had some buck beds and a little twin bed. She'd come in, boys, you need to get up. It's time for school. She'd say, it's sweet. But finally, y'all need to get up out of your bed right now. It's time for you to eat your breakfast because the bus is coming and you got to catch the bus if you're going to get to school. And so here I am today, and I need to wake some people up, and I want you to wake up. I want you to know, I want you to know that the bus is coming. I want you to understand that you might have slept for a time, but it is high time for God's people to wake up because our salvation is near. Our redemption draweth not. Somebody needs to open up their eyes and wake up and listen to the sound and take part in the plan of God in these last days. So I'm, I'm talking today about waking up your spirit. Wake up. Somebody say, wake up. wake up. Waking up your spirit. The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God. They are foolishness to him. I know there are people that have walked in and out this church door before and said, that pastor is foolish. Yeah, I'm crazy like a fox. All right. I, I want you to know that I'm doing something here by the Holy Spirit. But he says, don't worry about them, for, they, the, for they, the things of the Spirit of God are foolishness to them, and they can't understand because they are spiritually discerned. So if you discern anything, even if you're not saved, it's going to be by the Holy Spirit. If that switch goes off on the inside of you and you say, wait a minute, that's what... 
If, if something happens, that's the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you, you're, you don't just have the switch because the switch is already on. Does that make sense to anybody? Are there, is there anybody in here saved by grace through faith in Jesus? Come on, let's, let's go ahead and just look at this because uh, I, I, it, it, this is going to be difficult for you to handle this, this teaching today if you're not of the Spirit. So let, let me get carnal for a moment with you, see if I can stir you up. Santa Claus lives on my cul-de-sac. He does. I have seen him on several occasions. You know what I'm talking about, John? You don't live far from me. He literally, he is a neighbor. He lives a few houses right across from my house is where he lives, right across the cul-de-sac. And he actually has a camera over his garage. So if there's any activity in the evenings, he knows who's naughty and he knows who's nice. In the, in the middle of the night, that light will blink on and it will light up my front room. It's nice and bright. So we just stay in the back room. But uh, I, you know, he has his own beard. He has his own business. And he lives that out all year long. He, all year long, he is Santa. All year long. Suspenders, the hat, summertime, whatever. He is always Santa. That, that he lives in Virginia Beach has impacted my belief in Santa. Also, a few years ago, I learned something else. I learned that reindeer, all reindeer have antlers. However, male reindeer shed their antlers around November. And only female reindeer have antlers through the wintertime. That means Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Donner, and Blitzen are really all female names. Wow, did I just shake you up or something? Because all of you understand this because it suddenly you hear the click. There's a click going on. It would take, in my estimation, it would take a group of women to take that fat man all around the world in one night. Because I know... <laughs> I know for me, if I was, I'd say, we need to spend a night somewhere. See how things just click? You see that? I was, I was at the mall the other day and saw a young gal dressed up like an anime character. And I looked over at Diane. I said, honey, did I miss it? Is it October 31st right now? Should I give her some candy? Because I'm telling you, she had, she had like, I mean, not even 70s elevation shoes like this. And I mean, it was all black and this and that and she was all, I thought, what's going on? And here's what I found out. Our culture is heavily driven to embrace simulations. In fact, we're so culturally into simulations and animations that our children may actually grow up believing that the only way to have a miracle is to manufacture one. I'm not asking you not to allow your children to watch Disney. I'm, I'm not, I, I am saying that when it comes to the supernatural, our culture has a, tensity, a tendency to replicate Harry Potter before they replicate the day of Pentecost. I know there are weirdos and crazies in the church world who make the power of the Holy Spirit into a cartoon. I get that. But we may, we, 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 we do not have to manufacture spiritual things. And the Holy Spirit is real, and he has and he will manifest himself into us and through us. 
So let me just say this. Without the Spirit, everything that I am doing in this pulpit today, everything that has happened in this time of worship today is foolish and manufactured. Without Holy Spirit, we're just doing stuff and trying to impress people. Maybe if I can get you worked up emotionally enough, you'll give your life to Jesus. And then we'll add to church. And then maybe I can get you to start giving money and we can build a bigger church business. But folks, that's not what we are here for. See, we, we struggle with disengaged spirits, sleeping spirits. Romans 13, 11 reads this way. Do this, knowing the time. That it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. Come on, somebody needs to wake up. The bus is coming, somebody. For now, salvation is nearer to us than we believe. It is, let me give you, it is high time for people to wake up and stop pretending. We got to stop. We need a greater awakening than Jonathan Edwards perpetuated. There's another scripture about waking up in Revelation 3 and 2. The church of Sardis was a complacent church in a complacent city that had been overrun time and time and time again. They were so impressed with their temple to the false god Artemis. And they kept making allegiances with different empire that they never built their walls up strong enough. They were so impressed with the mountain nearby them that they didn't realize that it would be their demise. And there was a church there and they got so caught up in the culture of Sardis that they began to fall asleep just like the city had fallen asleep and so the Lord speaks to them in Revelation 3 and 2 and this is what he says wake up but it's see the exclamation point would you say it the way it ought to be read come on say it wake up wake up strengthen what remains and is about to die for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. So sleeping people miss the catching away. I don't think anybody liked that. I don't think you did, but I just read it. Did anybody else read that? We are awake in the spirit. Help me. Some folks have already turned me off. There is a belief that saved and silent is acceptable. There is a belief that saved and asleep is perfectly fine. But it's not. And neither is saved and, saved and sleeping is not fine. Sleeping through your spirituality. Come on. Wake up. Somebody shout, wake up, wake up. What is it to be like? Look, wake up, forgive each other. Wake up, overcome your bitterness. Wake up, stop being like the world. Wake up, stop allowing Sunday just to be an appointment where you can be religious and then you forget all about Jesus on Monday and you haven't prayed with nobody. I haven't even prayed, I haven't talked to God on your own or even read or thought about his word. Wake up! However, in, the, in, in that we live in a very spiritual world, we need two things. They're different, but they are necessary. One, we need spiritual discernment. And we need gifts of discernment. Because they're not the same thing. We need spiritual discernment. And we need gifts of discernment. 
So, so uh, for those of us with the Holy Spirit, is, it is only normal for us to accept the things that come from the Spirit, for they are spiritually discerned. But you become spiritually alive when you are born again. When you are born again, it is a spiritual happening in your life. So uh, there is a story in John chapter 3. Again, let me tell you this. Salvation is the birth of your spiritual life. Did you get that? What is that? Salvation is what? The birth of what? Your spirit life. Do you, do you want to see and experience the kingdom of heaven? You're going to have to do that through the Holy Spirit. You're going to have to do it through the Holy Spirit. Your spirit has to come alive. John chapter 3, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader, who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus because he didn't want anybody seeing him. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. So he was moved to believe in Jesus by miraculous signs that he couldn't explain. Nicodemus was a religious leader, but he had no spiritual discernment. So he was impressed with the signs, but he had no spiritual discernment. And his question is, I know you're from God, but I, want, I need so much more. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, Nicodemus, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So Nicodemus could see miracles, but he could not see the kingdom of God. You understand that? He couldn't see what God was doing on the planet. So... You know, I, I, you know, I read this, you know, and here's, here's my heart when I read this. Dear God, I don't want to just lead a parade of Pharisees. I don't want to pastor just a bunch of Pharisees who can't see. A bunch of blind people. And we're in the world right now. We got blind people leading blind people. And they talk about a kingdom and they hope for a miracle on occasion I literally want to be a part of the kingdom of God. I want to hear from heaven, and I want to live and dwell in the kingdom of God. Not just then, but right now, I want to be his kingdom on the planet. Again, we can't just be a parade of Pharisees. We need so much more. So Jesus' answer is, I'm telling you the truth. Unless you're born again, you can't see. You can't see the kingdom of God. And that's the answer. He is saying, born again people are supposed to see more than miracles. We are to experience the kingdom of God. The verb to see, you need to see, is literally a depth of knowing and experiencing. It's like a blind man shouting, I can see now. It's spiritual sight and spiritual understanding. It is the difference between a casual exterior observation of a plane flying through the air compared to a deep knowledge of aerodynamics that you know why it is not falling. But Nicodemus just doesn't understand because of his carnality. He says in verse 4, what do you mean? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus said, you must be born again. And Jesus said, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. 
born of water and born of the spirit. He said something that he knew about. Born of water, he understood that. That's not like your physical birth. Born of water was an understanding to a Pharisee. Born of water uh, was speaking uh, specifically to ceremonial washings and the law, understanding that you had to be clean. And Jesus explained it when he washed their feet. And he said, you're washed now, but you're not fully clean. You need to be washed. Yes, you need to be repent, but you need more than that. You need to be born of the Spirit. Be born of the Spirit. Ezekiel 26, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your infirmities. And then he said to Nicodemus, don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants to. Just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. So I'm telling you, listen to me, you need to be born of the Spirit in order to operate and live spiritually. And some of you do not understand that. However, you have heard the wind and you don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. You don't understand the wind. How does it show up? Why does it blow? And I'm telling you that God wants to transform you. No, listen, no one can call Jesus Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And how is that? There is a spiritual switch that is flipped in your life. And by the Holy Spirit, you begin to recognize that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And you declare, what? He is the Lord. He did die for my sin. Jesus, you are the Lord. And conception takes place. And the Spirit of God is born into you. And you become alive, not just in the flesh, but now you are alive in the Spirit. And so you now recognize spiritual things. Jesus. This is where we get that great teaching. You say, well... You know, I love that. I hadn't heard that story of, you know, Nicodemus and the Pharisee and that you come alive in the spirit. But you had heard, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whosoever believes in him will not perish. But yeah, John 3, 16 and 17. Surely you've heard that. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's Jesus saying that through Holy Spirit, connecting with Nicodemus so that Nicodemus Nicodemus could put his faith in Jesus, and ultimately we find out that Nick gives his life to Jesus. Why? Because after Jesus is, is killed on the cross, he and Joseph of Arimathea are the guys that are standing there collecting his body, wrapping him and laying him in the tomb. He is probably one of those very disciples that showed up because now he knows that not only did Jesus do what he said he was going to do, but he is the son of God. And he put his belief and his faith in him. Folks, that's what we need to do right now. We need to do more than be formal Christians on a Sunday morning. We need to put our faith in a living Savior. Jesus. You say, well, this is strange. No, it's not so strange. This is the message of Christ. Has anybody ever read the Gospel of John? No, from, I mean, it's, it's like a really short story. Has anybody read the Gospel of John? 
Or is it just graffé to you? Is it just a book? Or have you gotten uh, the logos? Have you gotten the rhema? Have you gotten that? Because he goes on to say in John 4 when he's talking to a woman at a well, he says the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers, read this with me, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him. What? So it's not worship at all unless it's in spirit. Come on, lift your hands and worship him for a moment. Would you do that? I love you, Jesus. I'll worship you, Lord. I'll worship you. Is that, so, is, that such a, is that such a difficulty for me to ask you to worship just like that? To worship in a moment? Come on. Worship him now. Worship him now. Worship him right now. Worship him. How I love you, Jesus. I'll worship you, Holy Spirit. I'm saved. Anybody else saved? I mean, let me just say it. I am born of the Spirit. Anybody else born of the Spirit? I want you to be born of the Spirit. And when it happens, you will find Spirit coming into your life and controlling your heart. What am I going to do about my broken heart and all the things that have happened to me? What are you going to do? You're going to let Holy Spirit come into your life. And the gifts of the Spirit move within the body. You're going to experience healing dramatically that you would have never experienced in any other way. Jesus, can I tell you no other faith saves you? I mean, you will get a different spirit in some other religions. Listen, if, if you sit in front of Buddha long enough, you could get possessed by demons. You go around all meditation mess and all of that. I just can't. It, it just messes with me. There's some music I just cannot mess with because I feel like it's worshiping something other than my God. Praise God. He's crazy today. I know. I love it. Praise God. For some of you, you're struggling with your faith. I have a question. Do you ever look at the world and just feel confused? Like, what in the world is going on? Anybody ever feel that? I mean, I'm not confused about heaven. I'm not confused about Holy Spirit. I look at this world and say, what in the world is going on? I I don't. I know you don't get all the spiritual stuff, but it starts with spiritual discernment, which is what happens with salvation. You start discerning things. It's spiritual discernment. I don't have that. It's not a gift of the spirit. It's what happens when people are spiritual. You begin to separate yourself from some stuff because spirit of God is stirring up and you get convicted about some things and you just, no, I can't do that. You say, well, why are you sleeping with somebody that ain't your husband or wife? And you say, but you're saved. If you had spiritual discernment, then that would stir on the inside of you and say, how can I, after being set free by Jesus, associated You're not saved. You're just confused. Am I okay up here? Because I'm, I'm living in a world right now that says everybody that said a little prayer is now saved. Come on. Just because you put your hand over your heart and pledged allegiance to the flag does not mean you're going to fight for your country. 
I believe Jesus is Lord. I'm, I'm, there's a difference between saying Jesus is Lord and having the revelation that Jesus is Lord. One is like memorizing a nursery rhyme for the kid's pageant. Help him, Jesus. I know you don't get some. Some of you having this right now, right now. Holy Spirit is stirring some people in this room right now. I want to see people get saved is really what I want to do. I want the church to have a great awakening until we give our lives fully over to Jesus. Anybody with me on this? I want to see, the ch- I want to see people who thought they were saved get saved. Anybody with I want I want that. You say, Pastor, stop judging me. I'm not judging you. I'm saying, let Holy Spirit remind you. you say, well, Holy Spirit ain't saying nothing. Get saved. There, there's spirit. There, now, now, there is more than spiritual discernment. There is also a discerning of spirits, which is a spiritual gift. In 1 Corinthians 12 and 7, believers may also receive the gift of discerning of spirits. Spirits. There are a lot of people that are discerning. They are investigators. They are detectives. Perhaps your physical situation is difficult, and so you have a, you have a doctor who is a good investigator. Those are good things. But discernings of spirits is not a hunch. It's not just following your gut. It's not just intuition. Discernment of spirit is the supernatural ability to know the spiritual root of an action or a situation. It is the spiritual ability to know where that addiction is really coming from. Avi spent the night the other night. She's going to spend the night again tonight. And uh, the next morning she wanted to watch Cinderella. So I attempted to watch it with my granddaughter. But I just can't watch stuff. I just need to relax. I know how I am. I, I know it's just a kid's story, but poor Cinderella was in such a mess trying to work through her family relationships and parental wounds. Not to mention her frightening struggle to get to the ball to see some guy who had put a... And, and then, you know, sooner or later, some fairy godmother with a magic wand shows up, and I'm just getting all weirded out by all of this. Last month I was with my month before, yeah I was with my family in Cali and there's this new movie called Cruella Deville that was was on and uh, and I'm just I know I'm weird I get this I get this I understand I ain't the same I get that all right but wow what a broken mess okay and she is controlled literally in the movie and she has a lot of pains but her name is Cruella Deville meaning devil because she is possessed by a devil that's what the movie is about. I said that's what the movie is about. And so we, we pat her on the back and say it's okay for you to be evil and kill people because you're Cruella DeVille and that's really cool and I want to be like you. So let me make my hair that way. and Okay. So anyway, what a broken mess. But I see this kind of stuff all the time, not in animation. I see people in bondage for years, controlled by their wounds and generational brokenness. People just want others to get over it, but they don't get over it because there is an unrevealed spiritual element to what is going on. Anybody understand what I'm saying? There's something spiritual that's gripping them in such a way that if the truth would be told, they really don't want to get over it. It's just their shtick. It's just the way I talk to people. I'm just angry my mama was angry my granddaddy was angry and I'm like the third fourth generation of possessed you don't like my preaching right now but I I I gotta wake people up so I have to preach really loud and I have to say things that will just shake you up otherwise you will sleep right through this particular gift of a pandemic 
Say, people died in this pandemic. Yeah, but there are people that are waking up and realizing that they could possibly die. And there are people that are afraid, and I'm telling you this, that I have something greater than fear. I have something called faith. See, people's brokenness is literally where their value and their power come from. Maybe very well that it is a spiritual stronghold in their life. The world is broken, and if you're not careful and watchful and discerning, you will just become a character in the story of spiritual brokenness. You will be animated but not spiritually born again. Some things you probably don't realize. Some folks are fully controlled by their brokenness. And because they're fully controlled, they will attempt to destroy you as well. Discerning of spirits is among one of the most underutilized gifts in the body of Christ. In the setting of our world right now, we need it more than ever. That's why we are part of the church. Because folks are saved and struggling. And some of you don't even realize what the brokenness is. But today is your day. Let me finish this sermon right now, okay? Spiritual discernment. Anybody been saved? No, anybody been set free by the power of God? Anybody been set free? Is there any saved people in this room? I, I love stories of salvations. One of the ones that I love is uh, one of a professional football player named Deion Sanders. Anybody ever heard of Deion Sanders? Six foot one, 195 pounds, dominated. Whatever team he, they placed him on, he was a force, all right? Fifth overall pick in 1989, he snacked 53 interceptions, forced 10 fumbles, recovered another 19 loose balls, scored 10 defensive touchdowns. And everybody knew him, you know? Sanders, he scored six punt return touchdowns and brought three kickoffs all the way back to the house. On offense, he caught 60 passes and 784 yards and three touchdowns. But in 1997, Deion Sanders, after winning a Super Bowl, had it all. Everything went well for Sanders on the field, but his marriage was ending, and the future Hall of Famer cornerback attempted suicide. He he survived after he drove his car off a 40-foot cliff and suffered no significant injuries at all. And he wrote his testimony. He says he remembers winning the Super Bowl that year. And that night after the game, I was the first one out of the locker room to go home. The first one to the press conference. And the first one to go home. And I remember my wife, Carolyn, saying to me, baby, you just won the Super Bowl. Don't you have a party downstairs or something to go to? And I just said, nah. Rolled over and went to sleep. And that was the week I bought myself a brand new 275,000 Lamborghini. And I haven't even driven a mile before I realized, no, that's not it. That's not what I'm looking for. It's got to be something else. I'm so hungry. And that's when the Holy Spirit was calling him. He tried everything, parties, women. He says buying expensive jewelry, gadgets, and nothing helped. There was no peace. I mean, I was playing great. Got all the media attention and everything. Tried throwing himself into his career, into sports, trying to see how far I could go, he said. And when I achieved every goal I could think of, I was right back where I started. Empty, empty, nothing. I, I, nothing I did could touch the deep loneliness inside of me. I was just running and I couldn't stop. My life was falling apart. Falling apart? Can't call it falling apart. Some of you think if you just build a new house or you could just get this or that or some more money, you would be all right. Mark Logan, who was playing for the Washington Redskins, called him and told him about Jesus, and they drove to an IHOP. They sat there in IHOP and talked for four hours, and and at some point, he asked, Deon, are you saved? And I said, no, man, I can't say that I am. 
And it was about 4 o'clock in the morning when Dion was awakened by the Holy Spirit. He says there were awesome lights that came on in the room. At like a 747 had landed beside his bed. And he said, God, if that's you, take me. Take me, Lord. And before long, it was silent. The lights disappeared. And that night, he said, I got up, opened my Bible to a passage that said, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and under righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Stand with me, everyone. Jesus. Somebody shout Jesus in the house. Somebody Somebody shout Jesus. Who needs to really get saved today? Who needs to get saved today? Who needs to get saved? I'm asking. See, I asked that question. It's like, I, I don't want to be cornered or, you know, what's he t- who needs to give your life over to Jesus? Who needs to have a spiritual awakening in their life? Who is tired of your spirit being asleep and you want your spirit to wake up? Perhaps you're in this room today. Everybody get your communion out. We're going to receive this. Can I just tell you? Prophetically right now, Jesus is here. Holy Spirit is saying, Jesus is here. You've been playing safe for too long. You're in bondage and the enemy is playing with your mind and your thoughts. And you're in and out and you're up and down. But today, Jesus says, I would like to be a part of your life. So we're going to do something really practical right now. We're going to receive communion. Does anybody want to receive communion? Does anybody want to receive communion? Okay, now I'm going to tell you this. Receiving communion does not save you. It doesn't. But it is a tool of the Holy Spirit to remind you of the work of Jesus. That by His body, by His broken body, I am made well. You might say, well, praise God. You know, I've been limping a little bit. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the deep wounds of your life. Take this bread. Jesus is my healer. Say it. Jesus is my healer. Take this bread. It is my body broken for you. Take it and eat it in remembrance of me. Your sins will haunt you till the day that you die. I want to tell some people this. There are believers in this room who are still haunted by your past. Jesus wants you to no longer be haunted by your past. That's the enemy leveraging your sin in order to drag you back into it. It's gone. Somebody shout, it's gone. So those of you who are struggling right now, I want you to know that Jesus wants you to know that all of your sin is to be erased. Take this cup. This is my blood, the blood of the new covenant, the blood of the spotless lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Take it and receive it and remember me. Don't get in a hurry now. Don't get in a hurry. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son and whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. 
I want you to give your life up to Jesus now. I want some of you, go ahead, bow your heads in the room if that's what we need to do. Bow your heads for a moment, if you would. I want you to give your life up to Jesus. I'm offering you an opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus. Young person, today would be a good day. And you might say, I'm not, I, how do I do this? I don't want you to make just an intellectual decision. I want you to say, today I know that Jesus is the Lord. And I surrender my life. And I want new birth. I don't want to leave this room the way that I came in. If you want to give up your life to Jesus, if you want to lay it down and you believe Holy Spirit is calling you to salvation, wave at me right now and say, Pastor Rick, that's what I need. I need to surrender my life over to Jesus. God bless you. I want some of my spirit life team to come and stand here. My spirit life team, if you would come and stand and be ready to pray for people. Those of you who need to give your life to Jesus, these individuals will pray with you. They're going to lay your hands on, their hands on you. They're going to pray that God would deliver you. He would set you free. And for those of you, those of you that, listen, those of you who want, <laughs> hallelujah, to give your life over to Jesus, I'm going to give you another opportunity. Some of you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You might say, well, I didn't know there was a Holy Spirit. Yes, there is a Holy Spirit. And he will baptize you and consume you with this power. Is there anyone in the room that knows I'm telling the truth? Is there anybody that knows I'm telling the truth? Anybody knows I'm telling the truth? Wave at me and say, Pastor, you telling the truth today? All right. Okay. So I want people to start coming to the altar who need prayer. I also want you all around this room to mention to somebody. Just look over at somebody and say, do you need to pray? Do you need to give your life to Jesus? I want you to do that before you leave this room. I want you to make sure that all those people around you have heard the message. Ask them if they have any questions. If they do, answer those questions for them. I'm not finished. One other thing I'm asking you to do. If I got, if any, are there any saved people in the house? Any saved people in the house? Okay. Every day this week... I want you to pray for somebody, not in your house alone, but personally. Someone at work, someone that you can call, I want you to pray for someone. So you're saying, don't tell me to pray for somebody. It's amazing that that would frighten you so much. That should, you should have some discernment right there. I'm saved, but I'm afraid to pray for others. I want you to pray for others. I want you to talk to others. I want you to go and wake up spirits. Somebody shout, let's wake up spirits. Let's wake up spirits. I want people to come and pray. Go ahead and ask. start talking to people around you. Go ahead. Talk to people around you. Ask them if they would like prayer. If you need prayer for anything, these people are here to pray for you. You can come and just kneel if you choose. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. God bless you all. Please come and pray. Come and seek the Lord. Come give your life to Jesus. Be dismissed when you choose. God bless you all.